to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30-minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 235, and actually the third time recording this episode. It's a long story. Starting off security news, the FBI says China's top diplomat in the U.S. and a senior diplomat in New York City have been helping the Chinese government to recruit U.S.-based scientists to still... U.S. intellectual property for China. 269 gigabytes of sensitive police data was released on Juneteenth in what's being called a distributed denial of secrets, and Anonymous has taken responsibility, which really just means someone who has associated themselves with Anonymous. Bruce Schneier has done some interesting analysis on the risk of COVID when flying. He does a lot of flying, so this is of interest to him. The TLDR is basically that it's safer than I thought it was. I assumed it would be really, really bad because you're in this closed-in space and the air is circulating, but it's really just bringing other people's breath to you. But evidently, there's good circulation. I don't know if it's coming from the outside or if it's being filtered, but evidently, it's not as bad as I thought it was. I don't know what the actual risk is, but he doesn't seem overly concerned. I would just say to keep in mind that this is all still pretty tentative and uh, no one really fully understands the science around this stuff yet. Russia is using its media propaganda arm, RT, to magnify division in the U.S. around the protests and police response to them. They've been reaching out to law enforcement personnel who have been speaking out vocally about being upset about the protests and the anti-police sentiment. And they've been having them come on to their show to talk about how upset they are with the protests, but they've been pretending to be like unbiased international news organizations, kind of like the BBC, not really telling them what RT is and the fact that it's basically state propaganda from Russia. And so they bring them on, they tell their story, which is often, you know, quite emotional and they're very upset that population is rebelling against the police and not all the police are bad and that sort of narrative. And then RT goes and takes that and just twists it into something kind of nasty and broadcasts it out on all their channels. And then the police find out later that they actually helped Russian state media cause division within the U.S. So that is the latest technique in this book of tactics for Russian propaganda. The U.S. Army Futures Command has a team called Ignite that's responsible for mapping out trends to predict the future. They're basically looking for patterns in electronics, artificial intelligence, space, biotech, and other spaces, all with a focus on how the U.S. can best handle conflicts going forward. China has now launched all 30 satellites in its Bidu GPS network that was created to allow it to use GPS without reliance on the U.S. 
So a lot of people don't know GPS, obviously the G is for global, but it's not actually global. It's really a U.S. system. And obviously China did not want their military running on a U.S.-based GPS system. So they built their own and it's now fully launched. The Russian intelligence unit accused of trying to poison Sergei Skriptal in the UK is now accused of offering the Taliban bounties to kill US and British troops in Afghanistan. Evidently, a bunch of special operations people found giant caches of US dollars that was uh, being used for bribes, for bounties, to kill U.S. soldiers and possibly British soldiers as well. Vulnerabilities. VMware has released multiple security updates for ESXi, Workstation, Fusion, and CloudFormation. Incidents, which I used to call breaches. UCSF admits it paid the NetWalker ransomware group over $1.1 million dollars to get access to data that had been stolen. They basically said in their announcement that, yes, they did pay this ransom, but it was research they needed to get back for the public good. And it appears LG has been hit by the Maze ransomware group and that some source code is being ransomed there. Companies, Databricks has purchased Redash, which makes sense because Redash is a front end for querying multiple data backends. Technology news, the U.S. president signed an executive order suspending many work visas until the end of 2020. Types affected include H-1B, H-2B, H-4, and some J-1 visas. And Amazon just launched a new service called Honeycode, which lets people build applications using little or no coding. It's a fully managed service, so you get up to 20 users of your app for free, and you have to pay. And I think this is an inevitable response to so many people wanting to make apps, and just not having the skills, and not being able to easily find and connect with a developer to do that. So I think this is the future, where people just have an idea, and they're able to implement that idea, you know, using pseudocode or drag and drop or whatever. I think there are limits to this, obviously, but to move in the right direction. And it doesn't surprise me that it's coming from Amazon. Amazon also just bought a company called Zooks, which is building autonomous robo-taxis. So interesting to see Amazon get into that space. Seems like everyone's stuck at the last mile there. It was pretty easy to get to this point, and now a lot of people are kind of frozen. And Netflix is impressively releasing 59 new shows in July, despite the fact that we're in a lockdown. None of its competitors are really even close to that number. And a company out of Israel is looking at a way to do high-frequency trading over shortwave instead of fiber optic cable in order to shave off like five milliseconds of round trip. So normally a round trip from Chicago to Frankfurt takes around 36 milliseconds. And getting that five milliseconds will matter when you're trying to do these extremely fast trades. So they're going to switch away from fiber and go to shortwave, which is pretty interesting. Google is showing off a new type of image capture that lets the viewer rotate the camera 
to see different perspectives, kind of like bullet time from Matrix, but much less expensive. Only uses 46 different cameras and it allows the user to sort of, you know, look around a corner and that type of thing. Microsoft has closed its retail stores permanently and Sonos has laid off 12% of its workforce and closed a major location in New York City. Human News, CERN has approved plans for a new $23 billion super collider that will be 62 miles long. Its primary purpose is to learn even more about the Higgs boson, which the LHC actually discovered. So the LHC is 27 kilometers around, and the new one will be 100 kilometers around, and it'll actually be built right next to the old one, or the current one. It actually overlaps, but obviously at a different location on the y-axis. And they're supposedly going to start building in 2038, which is a long time from now, but that's only if they're able to find this actual $23 billion. And a lot of people are already pushing back and saying, you know, we don't need another one of these. $7 billion worth of advertising income has left Facebook in part of a growing boycott due to their perceived unwillingness to curb hate speech on the platform. And this article here in the newsletter points to Coca-Cola being the latest one to add to that pile. They basically paused all their ad spend on Facebook for 30 days. Researchers have found the first super consistent pattern of radio bursts coming from around 500 million light years away. They pulse in a pattern of around four days on and 12 days off. And in all previous cases, which was around 100, there were just very small blips of these things. Like you would see them a little bit and they would just kind of go away. But in this case, this pattern has been going on for over 500 days consecutively. And no, they're not thinking aliens. They are thinking it's natural phenomenon. They're just trying to figure out what's going on. And Microsoft is shutting down its Mixer service, its gaming social media service, and partnering with Facebook Gaming in preparation for the new Xbox coming out in the fall. And a new study has estimated the number of Earth-like planets in the Milky Way at 6 billion. So 6 billion just in our galaxy, and they're supposed to be 2 trillion galaxies, obviously of different sizes, but we're kind of an average one. So 6 billion times 2 trillion, that's a lot of potential Earth-like planets. And just unrelated, I was just out walking, and if you go out, you can actually see Jupiter and Saturn right now. Jupiter is up into the right and extremely bright and down into the left you will see another point of light which is not blinking which generally indicates that it's a planet and not a star and that is in fact Saturn ideas trends and analysis why you feel at home in a crisis america is facing five epic crises all at once this is by david brooks at new york times and it looks like many of these new exclusive deals with big podcasters are following the model of artists being bamboozled by music labels, which, you know, happened back in whatever, 
was that the 40s, 50s, and 60s? I'm not sure exactly. But basically, most of the benefit goes to the label, and the artist gets kind of screwed over. And that seems to be what's happening now. Like everyone said, Joe Rogan is getting way too little money for the Spotify deal. And this is starting to happen with other podcasters as well. And I think that'll just play out for a little while. And then eventually they're going to figure out they're better off being more independent and they'll break away. Kind of a repeated pattern there. And got an article here called Google Blew a 10-Year Lead, which is about Chrome OS and Google's cloud platforms, you know, all the cloud apps that it had 10 years ago, 2010. They were just killing it. No one else had that stuff. And now in the last 10 years, so many competitors are coming out that are just more slick, easier to use. And uh, what have they done for us lately? It's kind of the vibe of this piece. And kind of in that thread, a whole lot of people are talking about a new email service called Hey. I'm a superhuman user, so I'm not switching, but I find it interesting that people are finally getting tired of email and are starting to explore options. I did get an account with Hey and checked it out, and it's really quite different than anything else I've seen. The interface is quite strange. To me, that's a good thing because it's just indicating that there's variation and experimentation, and I like that. And the RNetSec Q2 2020 hiring thread is up. Got a link to that. The gear you need to start a podcast or a live stream. How people read online, which is a cool paper about just eye tracking over time. Quite a long lasting study. The best 15 cities for home buyers right now. How to build a Bastion server on demand with AWS Fargate. Cloud skew which allows you to draw online cloud architecture diagrams for free. How someone got their AWS bill below 2% of their revenue. An Antimander, cool name. Open source software that creates fair congressional districts to fight gerrymandering. Really, really cool project. Dungeon Scroll, an online drawing tool for creating custom dungeons for role-playing games. I've seen a couple of these that were kind of really generic. This one is fantastic. It looks like a real hand-drawn dungeon, but you're just creating it with different tools. It's, it's fantastic. Tunnel to Dev. Expose your local server to the internet using public URL. Be very careful when you do that. And Sifter, an OSINT recon vulnerability scanner that combines multiple tools into a suite. And final tool here is um, WTTR.in. So you just curl at the command line. You just execute curl against WTTR.in slash city name. So San plus Francisco. You get back this really cool formatted terminal view of the weather and the forecast for that given city. Recommendation for the week. Do the real thing. This is an essay I've talked about once before, and it is unbelievably great. It's the best essay I've ever read on how to practically learn something. And the TLDR is pretty simple here. It's don't think about or intellectualize and study how to study something. You basically want to jump directly in. Do the real thing. 
don't listen to podcasts about learning French. Just go speak French with somebody and throw yourself in. It's, it's a fantastically written essay, and you should check it out. It's called Do the Real Thing. And the aphorism for the week. Prosperity is no just scale. Adversity is the only balance to weigh friends. Prosperity is no just scale. Adversity is the only balance to weigh friends. Plutarch. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe inserted ads are not just annoying, but that their business model is toxic to content creation. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter every week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here. And they also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmisro.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already done so. Each of you is participating in the direct model of creator support that is helping this show survive and grow. And I greatly appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.